Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six of A Secret to Everybody. And as you probably noticed, we have moved. That's right, I'm on StartSelect.net, and I'm excited to be here. Moved over a couple of days ago. Hopefully you heard the announcements over on Podbean that I have moved. I will no longer be posting anything on Podbean. I might post one text thing this week just to remind everybody that I'm not going to be there anymore. But that would be the end of that, so we have no use for that anymore. So we've jumped ship there, so you don't have to check there anymore. So you can unsubscribe from that feed or whatever on your iPod. Uh, I'm also going to be on iTunes, which is really exciting. We submitted the podcast to iTunes. It was approved, so you should be able to find it right now. Um, iTunes told me that you can, if you search, it'll be up within a few days. So if you search right now on iTunes or their website, I don't use the software, so I don't know, but if you search on the website, it should be up within a day or two. But if you just search for StartSelect.net, you should see my show. You should see all three of the shows that are on Start Select, so that's really awesome. So if you prefer to do it on iTunes and not have to subscribe manually, that works really well too. I will give a link to the iTunes page in the notes so you can find that easily. I'm really excited to expand, like I said, on Start Select. It's really awesome. Make sure you check out the other shows. Uh, the SDA Show 2.0 is with Adam, Andy, Jeff, and Chris. Um, really awesome guys. They also do their Start Select podcast, which is where they talk about video games. So their Start Select podcast releases on Tuesday. And SDA Show 2.0 releases on Thursday, and I will still be on Saturday. So hopefully it'll be a good uh, a good mix and a good pacing for all of your podcast needs. Also, I mentioned this last week, just in case you missed it, the show does have a phone number. It's 203-903-ASTE, which is 2783. Um, you can text that, call that anytime, it'll go to my phone. Please do that. I really welcome comments, anything like that. Also, now that I'm on Start Select, you can comment directly on the page. I don't know how that really worked with Podbean before. It might have kind of been a mess, but you can comment right on the site on Start Select now. So anything you have to say about any episodes, if you have any questions, any suggestions, please let me know. Comment on there, text the number. That's what I have with there. I love hearing from anyone who listens. Also, another big piece of news here, you can get an official A Secret to Everybody t-shirt. Um, yes, there on the website, uh, startselect.net, there is a link that says store, and if you click on that, you'll be brought to our Spreadshirt store. Different designs from the other guys, some uh, some hoodies and bags and some t-shirts. My shirt should be the first one there, you'll know it's there, because it's the Secret to Everybody logo. You can get a couple different colors, it's a fair price, we're not making a ton of money off them or anything, so definitely check that out, I'd be honored if you would buy one, a lot of different colors, good quality shirt all the sizes, all that good stuff. So they are there. I, you, I won't really need a link to that because it's two clicks from the main page. A few things I want to go over before we go into our topic, just like I always do. I'll shut up about it, but Shovel Knight finished the Kickstarter. It finished on Saturday night. Its final total was $311,502, and that was of its $75,000 goal. So that pretty much smashed it. All the all the rewards were unlocked. They still have money coming in from PayPal, I assume, so it should make the game even better. But you know how I feel about it. I've talked about it the past two weeks, so I'm going to shut up about it. Just wanted to bring you that update. Game should be out somewhere between September and winter of this year, so be, keep an eye on that. And I'll, I'm sure I'll be posting about it and keeping guys updated as we get more, but I'll shut up about it for now. Before we go into our topic, I want to talk about the game I've been playing, a really cool game called Doom and Destiny. Uh, it's an RPG for PC, Xbox Live Arcade. It's on Windows 8, I believe. I saw it on there, but it said free, so I don't know if that's right or if it's a demo. I don't have Windows 8, so I don't know. And it's also on Windows phones. So this is the first time I've talked about a game that's on Windows phones. That's a first. That's pretty cool. I really like the game a lot so far. I actually 
I wouldn't say they're my favorite genre, but I really like RPGs. Sometimes, I feel like certain things in an RPG have to be right for me to really like the game. It's kind of hard to, to uh, describe for me, but certain things about an RPG, maybe it's the graphics or the gameplay, I don't know what it is, but something about the RPG has to be in place for me to like it, and this one has it. Other games I like, like Golden Sun, That's I really like that game. I'll talk about that hopefully sometime, because that's a really good game. There's two of them on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, there's one on the DS as well. I haven't played that one yet. I don't, I don't know if it's as good. And then Chrono Trigger, that's another amazing one that was on Super Nintendo and remade on the DS. So if you figured out what those two games have in common, please tell me, because I don't know what it is about those RPGs, but I like them a lot. I don't, But there's some I don't like. Anyway... I almost said Dungeons and Dragons. Doom and Destiny has a cool battle system, which I like. I'll, I do want to talk about the battle system just for a minute, because if you like RPGs, I think you'll be intrigued by it, and it'll hopefully make you want to play it. So let me talk about the battle system for just one minute here. You have four heroes in the game. There's four stats. Strength, Charisma, Dexterity, and Grit. And each one affects different things. I'll only go into one. Johnny, one of the guys, is a warrior. And you can organize your guys. There's four of them, and you can organize them how you want them to go into battle. So Johnny, he's a warrior. He'll give a bonus to strength and hit points if he is in your first position on the top. So if then you can move each guy either in the front, the middle, or the back. So you have the four like up and down. Whoever's in the lead there is the stat bonus, and then the left to right is depending on what they get. So like if Johnny's in the lead, whoever's in the front gets a bonus to strength, but their max hit points are lowered. If you're in the middle, you don't get anything, and if you're in the back, you're, you get more hit points, but your strength goes down. So it's really cool because you can kind of figure out, like, you know, I want, I want this, I want, I care about this more, so I need to move this character here. And there's different combinations, so I think it's really neat because you can really influence the stats a lot, depending on the situation that you're in. In addition, the game uses a turn-based system, which doesn't sound anything groundbreaking, but the top of the screen shows a, a bar with all, the, with all your characters and all the enemy characters on it. And every move you make costs a different amount of turns. For example, like a basic attack costs the standard, I think it's 25 moves is the standard attack. If you use a powerful attack, like a magic attack, like an extra strong sword attack, it costs 30 moves. And guarding would only cost 6 or 12 or whatever you tell it to be. So it can be a tactical decision to guard or use an item. Because you, you can see at the top, okay, here's the next time I'll get to move, so I better plan it out, so I don't have to, you know, so next time I move, I'm not going to get hit, or someone's not going to be dead because of me. In addition, the game has a hate system, which means in a battle, when you attack an enemy, they get mad at you, you can't see it, but you have to keep track of it, and different attacks produce more hate than others. So if one of your characters is always doing the attacking, he's more likely to get hit than the other ones. So if you don't want to get attacked, you shouldn't be attacking. You should be healing or raising someone else's stats or things like that. So the game is definitely really cool. Um, I'll talk about a few other of the aspects here before I wrap this up on the game. It's a lighthearted RPG about four friends. They enjoy playing role-playing games like real ones, and like Dungeons & Dragons. That's why, I want, that's why I said that earlier. They get sucked into a fantasy world and have to become heroes and save the world. Um, it's a pretty, it's a really funny game. It's totally self-aware. It's not you know epic or anything like that. Um, for example, one example is when you go into a resident's house and just talk to her, she'll say, "Feel free to steal from my house." And things like that. You know, kind of they're kind of making fun of the way RPGs do things. Like it's there's it's a very self-aware game. The dialogue between the guys is really funny too. Like you'll be about to fight a boss and they'll be talking about what they want to eat or random comics that they read or something like that kind of thing. It's really enjoyable and it keeps you laughing. The dialogue is funny. It's not cheesy or anything. I haven't finished the game yet, but I have heard from the company that they're working on a second game, a sequel to Doom and Destiny, which is really awesome. 
I'm sure it'll be something to keep an eye on. Haven't heard a ton about it. I'm sure it's still in development, so that's really awesome. Um, the only negative I can really give against this game is its spelling. There are a ton of typos and misspellings in the dialogue. I'm a grammar nerd, so it kind of bugs me, but I try to look at it as it's just another homage to the 16-bit games, because as we know, a lot of those Japanese games in the old days had a lot of misspellings and things like that, so I try to see it as that. It just has more of that 8-bit charm, or 16-bit charm, but the developers also are not native English speakers. They're Italian, so I can forgive it. It's not a huge deal. It doesn't detract from the game that much. Other than that, I've had the game slow down a little bit. I don't. It must have been my computer. I, I, I emailed the guys. I don't really know what's going on, but it's not enough to detract from the game experience. Like I said, it's, it's a minor annoyance, but not a huge deal. So this game, Doom and Destiny, I would totally recommend it if you're a fan of any RPGs. Like I said, Golden Sun, Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, you'll love this game. You, right now you can get it on Zero for $5, um, Xbox Live Arcade as well for $5, or if you have a Windows phone, you can get the game for a dollar. And also it's on Steam Greenlight, so if you would like to see that on Greenlight, you can vote for it on Steam. Uh, the, the latest batch of Steam Greenlight games just went out today, actually, um, as I'm recording this on Wednesday, and Shovel Knight is in that batch, so that's really cool that it's confirmed it'll be on Steam, so maybe the next time Doom and Destiny will get on, I don't know. So that's it for Doom and Destiny, and today, based on our topic, Rareware, um, we're going to discuss one of my favorite game companies ever, Rareware. I'll refer to them here as just Rare, it's the same thing, the Rare is just their short name. What a company. To start off with, I'm just going to read a few of their titles, so you can we can set the mood here. You can get an idea of how amazing they are. I'm sure you know some of these games. Maybe you don't know all of them. Maybe you've never heard of Rare. In whatever case, you're in for a good a good lesson today. Here's some of Rare's games in, in alphabetical order. Oh, sort of. <laughs> Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, both of which I love. I've talked about before, and I'll probably talk about more in the future. Battletoads, the really hard one on the NES. Rare actually made that in their early days. Conker's Bad Fur Day. I've never played this one, but I know it has a huge cult following. Diddy Kong Racing, Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong 64, GoldenEye 007, Jet Force Gemini, which was an underrated shooter on the N64, it was a third-person shooter, and Perfect Dark. Just this little sampling here should be enough to give any gamer chills, I'm going to be honest. So let's talk a little bit about the history of Rare, what they kind of went through, and how they came to be so big and make all the games that they did. So they were and are a British company. They were founded in 1985. At first, they were known as Ultimate Play the Game, not Rare, and they made games for old 8-bit computers, you know, the kind that were popular before the NES got big, when people played games on the computers like the Commodore 64, that type of deal. They didn't really like doing that too much, though, so they decided to sell part of their company to another company, and they became Rare Limited, and from then on, started making games for Nintendo, at that time the NES, obviously, since it was 1985. Uh, so they made a few games, and then Rare began to gather a lot more interest when they invested in a thing called the, uh, the Silicon Graphics Workstations for their games. These instruments were ahead of their time, and Rare having them put them ahead of the competition. They decided to not make as many games for a while and instead invest in these. That impressed Nintendo, the graphics that they could do having these machines. Nintendo liked Rare so much that they bought an almost 50% stake in the company, 49% in Rare, and Rare became a second-party developer for Nintendo. But that, they did not stop there at all. Nintendo and the public, they liked Rare so much that they offered... Nintendo said, hey, look, Rare, here's our entire catalog of characters. You can pick one to make a 3D game out of. I mean, think about that. This was before there were all kinds of characters, and we had things like today where 
you know, Sega's making games on the Wii with Sonic and that kind of thing. We're going to offer you any one of our characters to go any way with it. We talked a little bit about the CDI games. We know how those turned out when Nintendo let Philips make their make Zelda games for them, which we won't talk about right now. But, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal. So anyway, Rare chose Donkey Kong, and, as history has it, Donkey Kong Country was the result. We know this game rocked. It was actually the second best-selling game on the Super Nintendo. It had over 8 million copies sold, I think almost 9 million. And the first best-seller on the Super Nintendo was Super Mario World, which came with the system, so... I don't know if you can really count that one, since everyone that had the Super Nintendo automatically had Super Mario World. Donkey Kong Country was awesome in itself. It had those 3D graphics, which weren't really... It was a 2D... It was a side-scroller platformer, but it had those 3D graphics where the sprites of Donkey and Diddy and the enemies looked 3D, had the scrolling backgrounds, really advanced for its time, awesome music. The music really created a great atmosphere. I could talk about it a lot more than I am. But Donkey Kong Country was itself amazing, had two sequels, Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3, and Game Boy spin-offs, Donkey Kong Land, which were sort of similar, but obviously they had to modify them a little bit since the Game Boy didn't have as much power as the Super Nintendo. So you can definitely say Donkey Kong Country right then was an amazing, success, amazingly successful game because of everything that it spawned. And Nintendo, before that, really hadn't done too much with Donkey Kong save for Donkey Kong Jr. Math, which we talked about last week, and we know how much fun that was. So it was kind of a, re- a re-revival of the character, since Donkey Kong's main outings before that had been the Donkey Kong arcade games, you know, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong 3, those ones. So this was really a big step up for Donkey Kong, and, and in effect, Nintendo. So Rare kept going, though. They didn't stop with the Super Nintendo. GoldenEye on the N64 was their next big hit. This was in 1997. This one, as much as Donkey Kong Country, probably even more so, did so much for the gaming industry. You have to think about this, because up until this point, first-person shooter games were considered to be pretty much a PC-only type of game. People that played on the PC thought that consoles could never match the controls that the PC had to offer. Rare took that and said, threw it out the window. This game was so successful, again, sold sold over 8 million copies, the only games on the N64 that beat it were Mario 64, I'm sorry, Mario Kart 64 with 9 million copies, and Super Mario 64 about 11.5 million. So it was the third most successful game on the system. I mean, what can be said about it that hasn't already been said? We talked about it a little bit in our Diamonds in the Rough episode. I mean, this game just, it took everything about great about FPSs and put it on the N64. The control was great, as great as it could have been on the system with one analog stick. It was amazing, it was groundbreaking, and it still is a good game today. After this, Rare went away from FPS games for a little bit and cranked down a few awesome 3D platformers. We have Banjo-Kazooie and Donkey Kong 64. Both were successful and a lot of fun. Um, they were they were very different. Like, a lot of the 3D platformers at the time, like Mario 64 and these two, were similar style. All of them involved going into a level and doing different things, but they were all different. Like, Mario 64, you went into a world and there were different objectives. Like, there were different stars to get each time and you had to do different things go to different parts of the level. Donkey Kong 64 allowed you to play with five different Kongs, which was pretty cool. Five different characters, all with different abilities. And Banjo-Kazooie featured a goofy world with lots of things to collect. So they were all awesome in their own way. Similar style, but all very different at the same time. Besides making games, around this time, when they released Donkey Kong 64, which was around uh, 98, 99, something really else important happened for Rare. Uh, Many of the members of the company left the studio and started forming their own. 
This was actually a good thing because we got free radical design out of it was one of the main ones. They made the Time Splitters games, if you've heard of those. There were three of them, Time Splitters, Time Splitters 2, and Time Splitters Future Perfect. Those were on the GameCube, PS2, Xbox generation of consoles. Those games were really good too. I've played Time Splitters 2. I remember on the box it said successor to GoldenEye or something something to that nature, you know, plays like GoldenEye, and it was exactly right. The game played a lot like GoldenEye, had updated graphics, of course, because it was on the next gen, had a lot of different multiplayer modes to play, a lot of different single-player modes too, challenge modes, goofy characters, a lot of fun in the story mode, different objectives, just like what made GoldenEye so fun. Really, really great game. What's interesting too, a little side fact here, Free Radical was actually bought by Crytek in 2009, and Crytek made the Crisis games, all three of them, and the first Far Cry game. So that's kind of a fun fact, that's where Free Radical went to after they made Time Splitters. So continuing here, Rare wasn't done even after it lost some of its members. 2000, was, they were, we were still making games for the N64, 2000 saw the release of Perfect Dark, which was the spiritual successor for Goldeneye. We talked about this again in the Diamonds in the Rough episode. The other James Bond games never really quite matched up to Goldeneye. Not not horrible games, but they never really matched the charm of that one. Perfect Dark was a masterpiece, just like Goldeneye. It, it's seen as the spiritual successor. Great story, great controls. Everything that made Goldeneye awesome was in Perfect Dark in a different setting. And then, Rare had two last games that they went out with a bang on the N64. They had Banjo-Tooie, the smashing sequel to Kazooie, one of my favorite games ever. Made They made everything about this game that was in Banjo-Kazooie. They made it, they took it and made it 100 times better. I actually recently wrote a review for Banjo-Tooie for my friend Eric Bailey's uh, Review a Great Game Day. He had it last week where he invited everyone to just write a review for a game that they loved. Real, you know, informal. A lot of fun. I, did, I, did, I wrote one for Banjo-Tooie. I'll have a link to that in the notes if you would like to read it. It's not anything fantastic. It's mainly a nostalgia trip, but... Anyway, if you want to read that, that's awesome. Uh, their swan song was Conker's Bad Fur Day, which I've actually never played. This was pretty much the last game Rare made for the N64. In this game, they went with a totally different direction. They ditched the cute platforming ways of Banjo and Kazooie and everything else that they made, and they made a mature-rated adventure game. Conker's Bad Fur Day is full of alcohol, swearing, violence, sexual themes, and movie parodies. And since it was released so late, it had some of the best graphics that were seen on the N64, as well as really good sound. But because of the content, and the fact that Nintendo didn't promote it very much because of the content, uh, it didn't sell too well. The box itself even has a big strip of a warning across advisory, this game is not for anyone under age 17. I, I, I think Rare wanted to make it clear that this wasn't like their other games, because you would see it and assume, oh, you know, it's a little cutesy game just like Banjo-Kazooie, and it wasn't. But despite all these things, the game was very, very highly praised and has a big cult following. People love this game that have played it. Rare actually remade the game in Xbox uh, for on 2000. It was on the original Xbox in 2005. They called it Conquer Live and Reloaded. Had better graphics, enhanced multiplayer. It was the same game, but the multiplayer was different. Same single player. But fans didn't like this version of the game as much because it heavily censored the single player, I guess, at Microsoft's request. So it didn't have that same charm and the experience of the original game, I suppose. So that's, so that's the early history of Rare. Now we get to the bad part. It was the fateful day of September 24th, 2002, when Microsoft paid $375 million to buy Rare, who became a first-party developer for Microsoft Game Studios for their Xbox and later the Xbox 360. And what did Rare do? Nothing. Okay, well that's not totally true. Rare retained the rights to their characters that they, that they made, such as Banjo and Conker, 
while Nintendo got to keep their games, such as like Donkey Kong remained Nintendo's character, even though Rare made a Donkey Kong game. Here's an actual fun fact for you. Star Fox Adventures was the only game that was released on the GameCube that was developed by Rare. So what a difference a generation makes, huh? I mean, seriously, the N64 had all these games made by Rare, and the GameCube only had the one, and it wasn't very good. We talked about Star Fox Adventures before a little bit. Rare was still allowed to make games for the portable systems, however, since Microsoft didn't and does not currently have any. There were a few Banjo games which were okay, a couple on the Game Boy, and a remake of Diddy Kong Racing on the DS. But I want to I want to fast forward a little bit here so we can finish up because this has been kind of long-winded. Rare made a sequel to Perfect Dark, Perfect Dark Zero. This came out as a launch title with the Xbox 360. It wasn't a terrible game, but it was nowhere near the magic of the original. I guess things change. You know, it's not it wasn't the same company. I mean, it was Rare, but it was almost 10 years later. Not 10 years. It was like six years later. Uh, recently, Rare has kind of been re reconstructed, restructured by Microsoft due to poor sales of their games. Uh, Rare's main focus now, according to Microsoft, is making games for Microsoft's Kinect motion controller. Their first project for that was Kinect Sports. Again, a novelty of a game, but here's what I want to say. Rare could be doing so much more than this. I don't hate Microsoft or Xbox, but I feel like Rare has been underperforming their potential since they went to Microsoft. I can't mention the abomination that's Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts right now, that's for another day. I won't even talk about that. I just wish Rare was doing more. I mean, they release so many system-defining games. I mean, think of what the Super Nintendo and N64 would have been without them. Still great systems with great games, but nowhere near the level of amazing that they were. So it makes me really sad to see what happened to them, just how things faded away. But of course, like I said earlier, companies are only their members, and so as people shift around, some people leave, some more people come in, leadership changes, that gets all shifted around and things change. So, that about wraps it up for today. I hope you enjoyed our look at Rare. If you haven't had the chance to enjoy these masterpieces, I totally recommend doing that. I can I can recommend with my whole heart any of the games on the Super Nintendo and N64 I've talked about today. Save for Bad Fur Day, I haven't played that one, so I can't say anything about that either way. And I hope everyone who plays these games likes them and loves them, because I, I do. You can get them, besides on the N64 where I mentioned, if you have an Xbox 360, you can play... Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, Perfect Dark, those three are on the Xbox Live Arcade. They're pretty much faithful recreations of the original. The only thing that's kind of annoying to me, and of course, I'm, you know this was going to happen, in Banjo-Kazooie and Tooie, there are multiple Nintendo logos. Like in the, for, for example, in the beginning, in the opening sequence of Banjo-Kazooie, you see the N64 logo come out of the sky, and then Mumbo is playing a xylophone has a Nintendo logo on it. They slapped the Microsoft logo on it, that kind of thing. So there's a few things removed, but it's pretty close to the original. So if you have an Xbox and haven't played any of those games, I would totally recommend them. I think Banjo-Kazooie and Tui are $10 each. Same with Perfect Dark, I could be wrong, but it's a fair price, especially considering what you'd have to pay to do the N64 to buy one of those and all that stuff. So that about sums it up for the week. And our outro for the week is Random Italo Loop by O.V. Mela. And we will close with that. And just remember, I am on Start Select from now on. Don't forget to subscribe to the new feed. Share it with your friends. All that good stuff. iTunes. And I will see you guys next week. Mm -hmm.